Thank you for listening to the podcast of Antioch Church, a Christian community in Bend, Oregon, being formed by the story of a God who is making all things new, including us. You can learn more at antiochchurch.org. Thanks for listening. John Piper recently wrote in an article about the upcoming presidential election that as followers of Jesus, our primary citizenship is to a kingdom that will never be shaken. He says, not even when America is a footnote in the archives of new creation. I love that. And that is exactly what we're talking about in this series we're in called First Allegiance. We love our country. And we're grateful for the chance to live here. We are Americans, but as we've been saying, we are Christians first. Or as the old song says, our first allegiance is not to a flag, a country, or a man. It's to a king and a kingdom. So in this series, we're walking through 10 biblical practices for living in this world as citizens of the kingdom of Jesus. The 10 commitments are worship, love of neighbor, image of God, biblical wisdom, fruitful speech, biblical justice, humble learning, removing the log, peacemaking, and loving our enemies. And today we come to our seventh commitment, humble learning, which says this, I commit to being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger as I seek to learn from the varied perspectives within the body of Christ. Uh, These commitments, as you know, were crafted by our friends at Redemption Church in Tempe, Arizona, and they're designed to highlight the countercultural nature of life in the kingdom of God. Because when you think about all the debates, all the political conversations, all the social media interactions that are happening around our country right now, I don't think many of us would use the phrase humble learning to describe what's happening. In fact, it feels like just the opposite. Jesus calls his disciples to be humble learners. But the opposite of humility is arrogance, and the opposite of learning is ignorance. So if we laid this out on a table, it would look something like this. And we can see that there's more than one way to get this wrong. So in the top left, we have the humble learner, which we would call the disciple. These people are teachable, discerning, and receptive. This is the posture that Jesus calls his followers to seeking truth, asking questions, not being too proud to admit that we still have a lot to learn. It's a childlike curiosity. It's the prayer of St. Francis where we seek to understand more than to be understood. It's an openness to try to see the world through other people's eyes and a willingness to admit when we've been wrong. The disciple is a lifelong learner who never stops listening and searching for truth and wisdom. Then, in the bottom left, we have those who are humble, but instead of being active learners, they're content being blissfully ignorant. The word the Bible uses to describe these people is simple. They're naive, gullible, and unaware. Now, I'm not just talking about intelligent versus unintelligent people here. That really doesn't have much to do with it. In fact, I think Jesus actually has a soft spot in his heart for 
uneducated, unsophisticated folks. Most of his first disciples were actually pretty uneducated by the world's standards. So simple doesn't mean dumb. It means a lack of desire for wisdom and understanding. Proverbs 9.6 says, Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. And Jesus invites his followers to do the same. Then, in the top right, we have those who have the learning part, but they're missing the humility part. They're know-it-alls. They're conceited, condescending, and pompous. Maybe they're formally educated, or maybe they're self-educated in a particular area, but either way, they're just not that fun to hang out with. They're constantly using their knowledge or intelligence to put you down, to make you feel stupid, or to win the argument. These are people who are often right, but in all the wrong ways. And Jesus regularly calls out people like this, like the Pharisees, who may know a whole bunch of stuff about God or about the Bible, but they use that knowledge to push others down rather than to pull them up. And then finally, in the bottom right corner, we have those who are both ignorant and arrogant. The Bible calls this person the fool. You could probably just call it Facebook. These people are mindless, contentious, and presumptuous. By the way, I had a lot of fun using my thesaurus for this. Uh, these are people that have a lot of opinions, but not a lot of insight. They have a lot to say, but not much of value to offer. Proverbs 12:15 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And Proverbs 18:2 says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. So ignorance and arrogance make a deadly cocktail. Now, here's the thing. I can look at this chart and immediately begin to see people I know in every corner. I'm sure you can too. But I can also look at this chart and immediately begin to see myself in every corner. I can identify places and times in my life where I've been foolish or arrogant or ignorant. And I bet you can too. So this isn't about grouping people into different categories. It's just a way of showing that there are all kinds of obstacles we face, both within our own hearts and within the culture in which we live, that make it hard for us to live as humble learners. But that's exactly what Jesus calls his followers to. So listen to Jesus' invitation in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's walk through these verses and I invite you to pay attention to what Jesus wants to teach us today. First, notice who it is that Jesus invites to himself. He doesn't say, come to me, all you who are rich and powerful. Or, come to me, all you who are perfect and polished. Or even, come to me, all you who are devoted and disciplined. No, he says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, all you who are wounded and struggling, all who are 
overcome with guilt and shame and doubt. Like if you feel like you're barely hanging on, if you have nowhere else to go, if you feel like giving up, Jesus says, come to me. Now, if your experience of life right now is anything like mine, then this all sounds pretty accurate, doesn't it? We're eight months into this global pandemic. Everything is weird. The kids are home all day. The world is on fire. An election's coming. And every part of life is just a little more complicated than it used to be. So I think most of us know what it feels like to be weary and burdened, which isn't fun, but it is exactly who Jesus is talking to here. Listen to how Eugene Peterson translates this passage in the message. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So to the weary and to the burdened, Jesus says, come to me, and I'll give you rest. Because rest sounds good, doesn't it? As the poem says, we don't need more passion. What we need is rest. But apparently Jesus' idea of rest and our idea of rest aren't quite the same thing. In the very next sentence, he says, take my yoke and learn from me. That sounds like work. That doesn't sound like rest to me. I kind of want him to say, take this hammock and have a margarita. But apparently that's not Jesus' idea of rest here. See, the kind of rest that he's talking about isn't an escape from the stresses and trials of the world. It's an even better kind of rest. It's rest for our souls. So where do we find this kind of rest? We find it in coming to Jesus as learners. Take my yoke and learn from me, he says. So as we saw in the chart earlier, being a disciple of Jesus is really about being a learner. The most common way that Jesus' first disciples referred to him was as rabbi, which means teacher. So lots of us are comfortable with the idea of Jesus as our Savior, but we may forget that he's also our teacher. And what kind of teacher is he? Well, he tells us right here in verse 29 that he's gentle and humble in heart. Did you know that this is the only autobiographical statement Jesus makes about his own character? Like, we don't have anywhere else in the Bible where Jesus describes his personality. But apparently, if Jesus had to describe what he's like in two words, it's that he's gentle and humble in heart. That's what he's like. And then finally in verse 30, he says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when Jesus says his yoke is easy, he's not talking about the way he likes his eggs cooked. He's talking about a piece of farming equipment. A yoke is what you'd use to harness two oxen together to pull a plow. 
So a yoke wasn't just a way for a farmer to maximize the ox power of his plow, but it was also a tool he would use to train young oxen. The farmer would yoke together the younger, weaker, less experienced ox with an older, stronger, more experienced ox. And as the older ox pulled the plow across the field, navigating the obstacles and dips and turns and corners, the younger ox that's harnessed to him is actually learning from the older ox how it's done. It's on-the-job training. So after a few seasons of being yoked to the larger, stronger ox, the younger one, we might say, would be fully discipled. And so here we start to see what Jesus is saying. Take my yoke and learn from me. He's saying, I'll be the big ox, you be the little ox. Walk alongside me, do what I do, stay close to me. I'll show you how it's done. So here's the secret of the easy yoke. The little ox thinks he's helping the big ox, but he really isn't helping that much, is he? In fact, he might actually be slowing the big ox down. So in addition to carrying most of the load of the plow, the big ox is also carrying most of the weight of the little ox. And the little ox is saying, whoa, being yoked to you is so much easier than trying to do it by myself. This is amazing. And this is why Jesus' idea of rest is way better than a hammock or a margarita. Because no amount of vacation time is going to make our burdens go away. Jesus doesn't promise a burden-free life. But he promises that even in life's hardest, messiest moments, he's going to carry most of the weight. And whether we realize it or not, he's going to use those difficult moments to teach us how to be like him. So Dallas Willard puts it like this in The Secret of the Disciplines. The secret of the easy yoke is the intelligent, informed, unyielding resolve to live as Jesus lived in all aspects of life. I love this image of two water buffalo yoked together in Indonesia. Look at the big buffalo and the little buffalo. Sometimes we hear this verse in Matthew 11 and we think of two cute little cows strolling through a field of flowers on a sunny day. And we think that's what following Jesus is like. And sometimes it is, but the truth is that life is messy most of the time. Following Jesus is hard, but not following Jesus is way harder. So Antioch, let's not settle for lives of ignorance or arrogance. Let's devote ourselves to being lifelong learners, walking closely and trusting fully. The one who not only offers us his yoke, but also offers us his very life. All you who are weary and burdened, Jesus says, come to me.